If you would, remain standing, turn in your pew Bible to page 1,572. Our scripture reading this morning is out of Mark. Mark chapter 11, we'll be reading verses 1 through 11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord needs it, and will send it back here shortly. They went and found the colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, What are you doing untying that colt? Well, they answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road while others spread palm branches that they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest! Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late... He went out to Bethany with the twelve. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you. You may be seated. This morning I'm going to kind of walk you through what I go through when I put sermons together. You ready for this? This is going to be fun, right? <laughs> so as the Lord gives me a passage to, to talk about, to discuss, oftentimes there's something that He puts on my heart to make it very personal to me. So as I got this passage... I got the question that you see in your bulletin. Who are you? The title of the sermon. Who are you? And so as I'm reading this passage, that question just rolls through my head. Who are you? And it's who am I in this passage? Because it makes it personal, right? So it makes it personal. So I'm going to give you a few points then we're going to walk through this sermon. But I'm going to give you these few points up front. One, who are you in this story? Second, our obedience, even if it puts us in a unique situation, prepares the way for Jesus to enter. Our obedience even if it puts us in a unique situation, prepares the way for Jesus to enter. Third, those who made up the crowd, they were the ones touched by Jesus. 
they were the ones creating the stir. In case you're wondering, it's okay to make a stir. Fourth, oftentimes, as the work of God unfolds for our lives, an attack of the enemy will come. Don't forget, the attack which is meant to destroy only positions us for God's greater glory. Oftentimes in those situations, things can be moving along real well, going good. You're doing what God wants you to do. You've been obedient to what God's asked you to do. Things are, are cruising along, and all of a sudden, and we're like, man, what? What just happened here? I thought I was doing everything right. I thought I was going in the right direction. I thought I was. I thought I was. It's in these moments in which God is not surprised. Stay the course and watch God come out on top. This account has many, many characters. Groups of people. They all represent a depth for us in our relationship with the Lord. I'm not going to have time to cover all of them, but I'm going to cover some key ones. It starts with Jesus asking two disciples to go get a colt. Two disciples. There were several that were around Christ, but he said, two disciples, I want you to go ahead of me. I'm going to tell you there's a colt that's waiting. It has never been ridden, but here's where you find it. Go get it and bring it back. Oh, by the way, if somebody asks you what you're doing, just tell them that I need it and it'll be brought back soon. Now go. How many of us would do that? <laughs> okay, that is definitely not me. That is not me in this story. Don't forget our point. Our obedience, even if it puts us in a unique situation, sets the stage and prepares the way for Jesus to enter. That question was not a second thought for Christ when he says, if somebody asked you, what are you doing? That was a setup. Because God is about getting people's attention, is he not? You can bet as you follow him and he puts things in front of you to do, people will ask you, what are you doing? What are you doing? My responses in the past have been, I have no idea. I have no idea. But I'm trusting him. Because it's been long enough to understand, and, I, and I've allowed to, to allow it to settle in my heart, that obedience equals impact. However God wants to define that, it can be one person, it can be many. But obedience brings impact. So when God says, I want you to X, Y, Z... You can bet somebody's going to look at you and go, what are you doing? Why? Because he loves them that much so that they will ask you and you get an opportunity to tell them. 
So imagine yourself, are you one of those two disciples that's going to be chosen, asked to go do something that is totally outside of your comfort zone? Me, I probably would have been like, Jesus, that's called stealing. Your dad talked about that back in the Old Testament. But that's not it at all. It's like, look, Ian, will you go do this? And if this happens, then do this. All right, let's give it a shot. One of the t- are you are you one of the two disciples? Interestingly enough, the Bible never tells us who they are. But I can tell you, when I get to heaven, I'm probably going to be like, hey, which one of you went out and got that cult? Because I'm interested to find, what were you thinking? What was going through your head when you were doing that? But, are you one of the two? Others gathered. So they come back, they bring the cult back, they put the coats on the cult, and Jesus climbs onto the cult, and they start making their way into Jerusalem. Other people gathered. People went before them, and people went after them. People went ahead, and people were behind. The people ahead were making the way. They knew who he was, and they were ahead of him. There are times when God is doing things that he will send others ahead of him to prepare them for his entrance. There were people behind him. Those are the people that as he was coming along the street, then they saw what was happening and they followed in behind because there was something that grabbed their attention so much about who he was and what was taking place that they wanted to see where this thing's going. Is that you? Is that me? Am I head proclaiming that he is coming? Or am I behind watching what was taking place? There were those who laid their cloaks down on the ground, right? And they laid their cloaks down because it was a sign of honor to royalty. Take off their coat, lay it down. We would refer to it or or recognize it as chivalry. Ladies walking, there's a mud puddle, I'm going to take my jacket off, lay my jacket down so they can walk across the mud puddle, right? People were putting their coats down so that he could ride along. Or they went and got palm branches. How many of us would lay your coat down? Who would it have to be for you to lay your coat down? Who would it have to be for you to leave where you are, go out into the field that the Bible says, cut down palm branches and come back to lay it down? Who would it have to be? That's commitment. Especially if you just bought your coat. Is that you? 
Am I that committed to Christ that I would take what I have, lay it down in the dirt, that He wouldn't have to touch the dirt? Would I go get a palm branch? If we have a parade coming through Bel Air, who would the person have to be for you to take your jacket off, lay it down on the street, just so the car the person was riding in wouldn't have to touch the pavement? Interesting question, isn't it? I'm just sharing with you the questions I get. So we have those people. Those who are laying those coats down, their cloaks down, their palm branches down, they're yelling, Hosanna! Save us! Thinking back that this is just like, at points, them as a nation being delivered from Egypt. Now they're going to be saved from Roman rule. And their hearts were, yes, this is praise and worship, but at the same time, it's finally there is salvation in front of us. Finally, there is someone that is here that can save us. We don't have to perish. In all of our tough situations in life, there comes a point in time when hope enters your world. And when that happens, there is such a transition in us that goes from, oh my gracious, what am I going to do to, oh my gracious, there's my salvation. Finally, this is going to happen. I'm going to be redeemed. I'm going to be restored. I don't have to face this any longer. That was their heart. If you've ever been at that point, if you think about that, and you meet that situation, or that person, or that that thing that the Lord is doing that is saving you from where you are, would you lay your coat down for it? Yes. Would you go get a palm branch and lay it down? Yes. So when we realize and understand that Jesus is here to save us, not just eternity, but from the situation you are in, that is Hosanna. Then we have the procession. They're in Jerusalem. And John chapter 12 gives, talks about this same account. In John chapter 12, verse 16, it says this, At first, his disciples did not understand all of this. It was only after Jesus was glorified that they realized that the things that had been written about him and those things that had been done to him had come to pass. That first part of verse 16. At first, now picture this, all this is happening. Jesus is coming through, he's riding the colt, people are laying things down, people are screaming hallelujah, you've got people in front of him, you've got people behind him, hosanna, all this activity and everything is happening, and here's the first sentence of that verse. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. I found myself. That's me. I'm the guy going, wandering along going, what is going on? What is all this? What's happening? Even 
some of his disciples didn't grasp all that was taking place. Then in the crowd, there are Pharisees. Luke chapter 19, verses 39 and 40. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Stop all this. Here's what Jesus said, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the rocks will cry out. If they keep quiet, the rocks will cry out. Because they are in a point in time where what He had made, what He had spoken into existence would praise Him. Be it the people, be it the rocks. And I think about that time of worship. And I reflect upon me. And I'm like, there's a time when we come to worship that I feel God, His Spirit moving inside of me. That I want to stand up. That I want to raise my hands. However it is that I want to praise and worship Him. And I thought about that. How am I going to face the God of heaven, the Creator of all, one day, and Him say, you know what, Ian? That rock did a better job than you did. I could count on that rock, Ian. I need you to step up. But the Pharisees are like, I don't, we don't understand what's going on. I don't agree with what's going on. So stop it. Stop all this. I had to look at that and go, you know what? There are times that that's me. I don't understand it. I don't agree with it. So stop it. That way I'm safe. I feel better about the whole thing. And of course, it's all about my feelings, right? No. But there are times in situations in our lives that we can actually look at these different characters in this story and go, oh, that's, that's me there, or that's me there. There's one more. There's one more character in this story. The cult. The cult. The cult in itself signifies several things. One, it's a symbol of peace. Back then, it was a symbol of peace. It was also part of the fulfillment that Zechariah talked about in chapter 14, that he would enter in on a cult. So it was part of that fulfillment. It was also a, a humble mode of transportation. Back then, it's not like everybody rode around on black stallions. Right? Not everybody had a golden chariot. The common man had a cult. Nothing wrong with that at all. As a matter of fact, that's who Jesus was relating to, correct? The common man. At the same time, it was a humble mode of transportation. The other thing is, it has never been ridden. Never been ridden. Unbroken. That, that shares two things with us. One, it, was, it had never been used. In the sacrifices that they did then, 
they were, the sacrifices were perfect. They had never been used in the field. They had never been used by the shepherd or the farmer. They were new. They were perfect. Unused. So was the colt. The colt was unused. Even more fitting to carry the sacrifice. The other thing is, has anybody here ridden an unbroken horse? Does anybody want to ride an unbroken horse? No. So what it does is, it shows Jesus' power over His creation. Unbroken, unused, carrying the Son of God. So that is another reason why Jesus could look at the Pharisees and say, you know what? Me riding this unbroken colt, I can tell you right now, I can make the rocks cry out and worship over me. I don't think there's anything that Jesus did that didn't have a meaning. The cult is significant. So the question comes to me in this, are you the cult? Ian, do you understand that you were chosen? Do you understand that you were tied up but I set you free. Do you understand that in your unbrokenness, me in your life, that you will be broken, but used, and that I want you to carry me into your life situations? Do you understand that, Ian? That's powerful. That's powerful. Am I the cult? Am I the cult? Have I been chosen? Yes. Have you been chosen? Absolutely. That's why we're celebrating Holy Week, is because you have been chosen. Have we been tied up? Have we been bound? Yeah. Can Jesus free us? Absolutely. In our unbrokenness, does He want us broken and realize that we need Him? Yes. Does He want to be in all of your situations? Does He want to so infuse Himself into your life that no matter where you go, no matter what situation you walk into, that you carry Him with you? Yes. And you know when that happens, you know, you know when that happens because people are going to be shouting that they have just met Christ. No one yelled, Hail the cult! Right? What a great colt! Let's put our jackets down and let's put our palm branches down so the colt doesn't have to... It was nothing about the colt. And when you know that Jesus is in your life and you go into these situations and people meet Him, they praise Him and leave your name out 
And that's a good thing. Because he is the one that changes their life, not me. So as I read this account, and I understand the celebration of the Savior has come to bring freedom to all of them, I look at the story and I look at every character involved and I go, is that me? And if so, I have to admit that. And I take that confession to the Lord and go, Jesus, I know that you are showing me my frailties in these times. Take me further. Help me to go from that disciple wandering around going, what is going on? To that cult of going, I get to bring Jesus into this situation that I'm living in. People will meet him here. I'm no longer that disciple that's going, <laughs> I just picture this conversation. Jesus picked two disciples to go get the, whole, the, go get the cult. I can see I'm walking along with the other disciple going to get the cult going, man, are you sure about this? Are you sure? You ask. You untie the cult. I ain't touching it. He goes, okay, well, I'll untie it. If you, when somebody asks us about it, you answer them. We can be in those situations, but at the same time, realizing that, you know what, we've been invited to go do something that is out of our comfort zone. We get invited to be a part of something that we get to obey God in that is abnormal. And out of that obedience, Jesus presents himself to a group of people who have been waiting for a Savior. And it goes from, I don't know if I want to be a part of this, to, man, guess what I got to do? Guess what I got to be a part of? Guess what? And that praise and that worship and that hosanna is shared with those around us. In this account, who are you? At the same time, it's knowing and understanding that you don't have to stay there. You get to be someone else. You can grow. You can move into that place that God is inviting you into. The road that the Lord takes you down probably won't be what you expect, but the result of it will be greater than anything you could ever imagine. Father, Lord God, you have brought us to this Palm Sunday to reflect on that moment when your son walked with his disciples towards Bethpage and Bethany and then sent disciples to get a cult to enter into a city in which praise and worship and glory and honor is proclaimed. We can look at this account and see us somewhere. So Father, I ask that you further reveal that to each one of us. That we see where we are, what role we would play, 
And Father, strengthen us, build us up, encourage us to take the next step. Father, to become even more close, more, more intimate with you, that we would be the ones chosen to go get the cult, or that we would be the cult that you would choose to use to ride upon in victory and to meet others where they are. God, you have blessed us greatly. We are thankful for it. Lord, teach us. Encourage us. Build us. Change us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.